It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSONS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis. There's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSONS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. We have a special episode for you guys here today, a 50th episode extravaganza, if you will, uh, and to celebrate our 50th episodic anniversary. We're doing something a little different, and by that I mean a mid-to-end-week review uh, recap of last night's basketball game. I am David, joined by Squid and Dylan, as always, and we were just so excited about that win in Chapel Hill last night that we could not wait until Monday to drop another episode. It's actually Capel Hill now. That's three straight down in uh, Capel Hill for the Panthers. Yeah, so I've heard Capel Hill. That what a what a very fortunate arrangement of letters. Yeah, Pitts owned UNC, even when Capel's teams haven't been the strongest. Uh, we've kind of had our way with the Tar Heels and went down there again and got another win in a hostile environment. Just an absolutely electric game, a huge win. Uh, Pitt was eight and a half point dogs, and I'm not going to lie. I had a weird feeling going into it that Pitt might just get ran. It just felt like they were coming off of two huge emotional wins at home and going into UNC was going to be a struggle. And you know what? They, this team just keeps proving me wrong and keeps pushing and pushing towards that March Madness birth. And, man, it's it's starting to get really, really fun around Pittsburgh for basketball. Yeah, I don't know if fun is exactly what I'd call it. I guess winning is by nature very fun. Uh, but this has been very stressful. Every single one of these games is going down to the wire. Pitt is uh, uh, surmounting and losing leads at an unbelievable rate multiple times a game. It is, it is stressful, but uh, the end result I would call enjoyable. It's almost like, basketball is a game of runs tell me if you've heard that one before. I've, heard that. I've heard that i mean every everyone says oh, I, pitt hear can't that, but I heard that pitt can't hold on to a lead oh they play better when they're playing from behind this is just the nature of basketball especially college basketball you you've got guys who are inconsistent guys who step up you go on runs a, a crowd a stadium gets into it and the game completely shifts but this pit team one thing i will say is they always make it interesting. We haven't had, uh, aside from the Louisville game, there really haven't been many games where we just kind of coasted through, especially in the ACC so far, that we've just coasted through front to, fi- front to end with the lead. Um, but that's to be expected. I mean, this isn't a 
undefeated basketball team. I know we are looking at the tournament right now, but this is a team on the bubble. So we're not exactly a top five team right now that we're boat racing teams out of the gym. But at the same time, this is a team that is proving to be able to compete with anyone, especially in the ACC at this point, uh, have taken down UVA, took down Miami, taken down UNC twice, lost by one to Clemson. I mean, all the best teams in the ACC, we're on par or better than them at this point. So it's as we approach the end of the season here, it's getting more and more apparent that Pitt is as good as anyone in the ACC. I mean, Pitt's right in the thick of the regular season championship race right now. Like there is a very legitimate non-zero chance. Non-zero's not doing it justice. Pitt is actually in the thick of the ACC championship race right now. Yeah, some people will say that these small leads aren't um, sustainable. We're winning games by one, two, three. Will it come back to bite us? You never know. But I like our chances. When you have guys like Jamarius Burton, Nike Sabondi, I mean, Nelly Cummings was, I don't know how he turned into Steph Curry for a few possessions there, but these guys can step up in big moments. There hasn't been a lot of times where this team is looking like shaken out of it, aside from the Duke game and like way back in uh, the early months of the season. Back when they were getting boat raced first four games. Yeah. There were a few games early on where we're like, this is another cable team that rolls over and die. But I think I like this team in close games more than I'd say 90% of fan bases probably feel. Give Jamaris Burton the ball, last possession. What would anyone else's hands in the country? Yeah. Well, so before we start touching on that last possession, I do want to kind of run through the game a little bit as we recap it. Um, but definitely want to touch on Cable's decision, putting the ball in Burton's hand. But let's step back to how that game started. A pretty early punch that Pitt took from UNC went down a little bit early. But Nellie Cummings at the in the first half and the second half had a few stretches where he was Pitt's offense. And he was knocking down shots. It was the most confident he's looked since he's been in a Pitt uniform. And... I think Pitt fans, myself included, have been critical at Nelly of times where it's like, okay, maybe, maybe you should be a little less trigger happy here. You've, <laughs> you're what, one for eight from the floor. Like, and people are like, oh, Nelly, we have other guards on the floor who are probably better shooters. Get them the ball. But all of that comes to a game like this where you really need a guard who's confident and will step up and that confidence hasn't been shaken. And Nelly's a guy who's played in the tournament. I've said it a million times, but he's played in the tournament. He's played a lot of college basketball. I mean, he's 23 years old. And you need these veteran guards who aren't afraid to step up and take the shot. Even if they've missed 10 in a row, they got to be confident that they'll hit that number 11. Yeah, I will own up and say I looked at the box score at halftime and we were up by one, but it was a weird box score. Nelly was our leading scorer. Hinson had nothing. Um, it, it wasn't like a typical pit game. I was like, I don't know if we can count on Nelly to get like a dozen more or 10 more or even anything in the second half just because that's how hot and cold he is. Hinson was cold. Burton, they were playing him tough early. People forget that he wasn't just being Jamarius Burton taking over the game early on. They had the clamps on him for a minute, but uh, I was like, I don't know if if Nelly is our offense, maybe we're in trouble. Fast forward 10, 15 minutes, and he's hit three consecutive threes. I can't remember a time that a pit player has done that. So, yeah, I was wrong totally about that. taken over a game like that. Yeah, I think 
that's probably the biggest theme so far for this team is there are different guys who step up. I mean, you look at Blake Kenson. Blake Kenson had Pitt's first field goal and then didn't score the rest of the night. There's a guy who's coming off back-to-back games, 20-plus points, 13 three-pointers over two games. And, I mean, if you ask someone, ask a Pitt fan who is Pitt's go-to guy, it's Jamarius Burton and then it's Blake Henson. Um, And Blake Henson can be a little boomer bust. You know, he got in some foul trouble in the first half, two two fouls uh, before the 10-minute mark, I believe. But... Um, does that does that worry you guys at all? Seeing seeing some of these games where Henson kind of just lays an egg. Not necessarily. Um, I think it's sweet that this team has proven that they have about four different guys that can take over any given game. Uh, so sometimes Henson isn't always, you know, required to have a sixteen point performance. My only gripe about this fact um, and this, you know four deep that Pitt has scoring wise is that we never seem to figure out who's going to be the guy that night until the second quarter. And then they take over. I wish there was a way that whenever they spin the roulette wheel in the locker room and it lands on, Oh, okay. It's a Nike night. They know that coming out and and then they just feed him the ball a bunch as opposed to what we have now, which is um, 20 minutes of trial and error followed by, okay, this guy, the basketball go. So you would, hope that over the course of the next month or two, Jeff Capel learns to see the future. Uh, that is exactly what I'm getting at. Yes. Thank you, squid. That would be helpful. I like being surprised. I like seeing well, Greg Elliott randomly just making six threes in a game. I mean, sometimes Nike will take two shots and play six minutes. Other nights he will be our leading scorer. Yeah, David, I know you're being a little facetious with the the roulette wheel, but I think a lot of that isn't uh, – this guy was hitting a lot of shots in warm-ups. we got to get him the ball. It's just kind of you have to feel out the game, feel out what the opponent's giving you. Um, I I was – Wait, 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 real quick. Does that mean that Capel is making halftime adjustments? Could he be? Is, is Capel making good coaching decisions? Is he coaching these guys up? Uh, the number of one possession games they've won this year would lend me to believe that he might be doing the damn thing. Yeah, don't let Panther Lair board messengers, uh, sorry, messengers tell you any different. But there are a lot of people around the country right now who are saying that Jeff Cable should be in the thick of things or the leader for the ACC Coach of the Year award. But we'll, we'll save that debate. We'll, we'll let that go a few more weeks before we start uh making a campaign around it. But I do think you want Henson to knock down shots. And it does seem like Henson's game at this point is he's either going to knock down threes for you, or he's going to give you basically nothing Um, early in the season. I know the first game against Tennessee Martin, he had 27 and 13, 13 rebounds, obviously like to see a little bit more of that from him. Like if you're not knocking down shots, how else can you impact the game for us? I also know that he was in foul trouble and he was banging a little bit with, with Baycott. Um, Fetty did a great job there also, but I, I think it's really promising that even if Henson is having an off night, we know that there's three other guys out there who can kind of take that, that load off of Jamarius Burton. Um, a lot of even good pit teams in the past, you know, you have your one or two go-to guys. I look at the best pit team of our lifetime with Levance Field, Sam Young, and DeWan Blair. If, if Sam Young got in foul trouble early, 
you kind of start looking around. It's like, where's our scoring going to come from? And DeWan Blair could take over a game. Obviously, LeVance Fields uh, could hit some big shots down the stretch. But this team really is – there's, I would say, five different guys between Nelly, Jamarius Burton, Greg Elliott, Blake Henson, and Nike Sabandi who can go for 20 basically any night. I think something that we're overlooking a little bit as pitch fans is – uh, just the point guard play because we haven't had it. And I think we're taking it for granted now. Obviously, Jamarius Burton, he's the, what, what's your phrase? The straw that stirs the drink, David? Uh, yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a bunch of guys that can take over, that's great. But someone's got to initiate the offense. And even when Jamarius Burton isn't scoring, he's initiating the offense. Last night in that stretch in the second half, Nelly was orchestrating the offense beautifully. He hit the shots, but then they played him a little bit more aggressively, and he had a couple of nice slips down low to Fetty. So those two are doing a great job just getting everyone in the right spot, getting the ball into the right person's hands, whether it's Greg Elliott, Blake Hinson, Federico, whoever. I think another thing with this team and – just touching on, you know, everyone being able to get involved and those two taking their turns, kind of setting the table for the offense. It doesn't feel like this team has anyone playing with an agenda. And that was a thing we've kind of seen on, on a lot of pit teams recently, especially Jeff Cable coach teams, whether it was the teams with Xavier Johnson and Trey McGowan's. Um, then when Justin Champagne came in the mix and he was ACC player of the year level, it was like, are these guys are these other guys a little worried that they're not getting theirs now? And this team, there's none of that. Everyone's excited for each other. If a, if Nelly's going off, the bench is jumping up, getting excited. Jamarius Burton's going off, the bench is up and getting excited. If Guillermo comes off the bench and gets an AM1, the bench is going nuts. Like These guys are excited for each other. They're excited for each other making plays, and they don't really care who's, who's playing well, who's not. I, I saw a video after the game of Blake Henson hyping up uh, Jamarius Burton in the locker room after the game. Blake Henson had two points, and some guys might mope about that, even though you went on the road and beat North Carolina in their house. Some guys might mope that they didn't play well, but he was just happy they got the win. He's happy that his teammates balling, and it's it's really fun to watch. And Chris Peak talked a little bit about this on his, sh- his show on the morning pit the other day. Um, just talk about how likable this team is. And I thought that was... Yeah, I thought that was a good conversation topic because, it, like he said, if this team wasn't winning, we wouldn't be saying how likable they are. But I think us and all the guys in our group chat who watch the games and text in throughout the game, we talk about like how fun this team is and how much we enjoy watching this team. And it, I do think it is more it is more than us just being starving for a winning pit basketball team. So I don't know if you guys listened to the player post game press conferences, but they asked. Blake Hinson, that um, what was it like when Jamarius took a backseat scoring and became a facilitator because he had six points and everyone else went off? He had previously been the leading scorer for a long stretch. And Hinson replied, There is no backseat on this team. So you're not the leading scorer. You're still contributing and everyone's okay with that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. He said, We're all in like one big caravan, which I, kind of want to make a, a photoshop of that just everyone like piled into a like a five seat sedan 
I'm I'm imagining like a like a drop top Corvette, and there's only there's only there's a couple seats up front, and there is not a back seat. I don't know if that's accurate at all. I don't really know cars, but you know the cars that don't have back seats. I Use think your imagination. Blake tried to say it was, was like there is no back seat. We're all in the same caravan together. But I think what he thought in his head was like there's all in one line. Like a Dodge there's caravan. I'm picturing no, just, like, just all t- all t- twelve dudes just in the back of a U-Haul, like twelve stern faced Peters about to go put on a heist. Very yeah. small group of people will get that, but them just all in the back of a U-Haul, all all in the same crew, all riding together. Yeah, so they don't view it that way. They don't view like, oh, you only had eight points tonight. Whatever, we I carried the team. It's like, yeah, you might have had two points, but you were probably just as much of a dog as everybody else out there. Speaking of, uh, you know, guys who don't really need much spotlight, but I, I think deserve a little bit of credit. Two times, Federico, Federico, uh, he put up a very Federico stat line, um, a single, single. But were you guys watching him play defense on Armando Baycott? He was giving up nothing. He was getting under his skin. Yeah, yeah. And you could kind of see that because every time the ball went up, um, Baycott two hands shoved him in the back and then got the rebound. Of, of course, there was no calls. We were in Tobacco Road, but uh, I, really. I mean, he he did not allow Baycott a lot of opportunity to be effective on offense. And uh, and I mean, he's he's got great hands. He has a couple. Uh, he has a you know a couple blocks a game, um, but he, he's also been able to just kind of pry the ball loose in in pivotal situations. Yeah, something that was big. Baycott had 15 and 9, but he had nine of those points at the free throw line, so he wasn't in easy buckets. Now and then they'd give him a cheap foul, but that's going to happen with, with a big man who's that big and somewhat skilled. It's just the way college basketball works. Well, but, how, many, how, how many fouls were... Federico barely touched him or didn't touch him. I, I swear the one on the baseline that he got an AM one on late in the game. I think Davis dropped it off to him. I swear there was no contact made. Like no, there's there's players say like I didn't touch him, but like I think Fetty legitimately might have missed him when he swiped at him. Baycott had a performance that was the rare combination of uh getting every touch foul and also getting away with murder. And it was really impressive. Good for him. Yeah, there was one where he, he two hands shoved Blake Henson to the ground. Blake Henson just one unbelievably thick dude, and he slid like seven feet across the floor. And I was like, they're probably not going to call that, but they did. But that was just the way it felt like that was going. It's like, yeah, he didn't get that. So, talked about just about every player at this point. Uh, everyone contributed, but let's fast forward to the end of the game there. Um, that last possession, so Pitt gets Baycott to travel, gets the ball back, goes on the offense, calls a timeout, and out of the out of the huddle, Jamarius Burton obviously know he's the guy that they're going to go to. Nellie Cummings is fouled out at this point. I'm not going to comment on the refs. I don't want them to come and find me. I know they can find podcasters of uh, fans yeah, of we've already now. Been yeah, we've been fined a few times, so I'm not going to talk about the refs, any of that. But 
Jamarius Burton, obviously going to be the guy. And Pitt gets him switched on to R.J. Davis. Now, we watched after the game, and great job by George Michalowski at Pittsburgh Sports Now. Um, doing a great job covering the team, by the way. Shout out, George. Uh, but he talked to Jamarius yeah, after boy. the game, and he kind of broke down what they wanted to do. And they knew coming out of the huddle that they were going to ball screen whoever R.J. Davis was guarding ended up being Greg Elliott. They were going to ball screen Jamarius Burton's guy with him. And they got that switch they wanted. And they were kind of going for the last shot. And I was watching and I was like, Come which on. was a ballsy move. I it thought. was, it was a lot of times when you're down, right. You, you try to go once if you don't score, you foul. And then at that point, you're only down one. If you foul, if they make two free throws, you still have a chance to hit a three to tie it. So you give yourself two chances, but I'll give it to coach Capel. The gamble paid off because they got the switch they wanted. And Jamarius Burton known to abuse smaller guards takes it to RJ Davis's chest, kind of gets him up in the air. And I will compliment the refs on this one. Good on them for not swallowing the whistle. A lot of times late in basketball games, you'll see the refs just kind of put the whistle in their pocket, let the guys play. But RJ Davis fouled him and great job on Jamarius Burton by getting to his spot, knowing that a smaller guard was going to have to be aggressive to try to stop him. And then ice in his veins, cold blooded Jamarius Burton hits, hits two free throws to go ahead and, ultimately win the game it's pretty crazy that we missed the front end of three one-on-ones one of which was by nelly who is shooting over 90 percent on the year the other was from nike who i think they said it was 18 of 19 during conference play from the free throw line prior to that other miss they're both over high 90s or i'm yeah. sorry high 80s and even after that even after oh we we're like oh the missed free throws is going to cost us we have Burton at the line down one. Even after that being snake bitten by the free throw line, I still knew he was going to make those enemy territory. Yeah, I had all the faith in the world for Burton to hit those free throws, but I was still shaking. I The first one looked a little shaky. It hit the back rim. It it just wasn't a perfect swish, and anything at that point felt like after mm-hmm. Nelly missed the one-on-one and Nike missed, it was I, I, I just felt like one of those games, but... Burton drains them both. And then kind of an idiotic play by UNC. They inbound the ball with, I think it was 3.6 left, and then they get it over half court and call a timeout, and there's 0.6 left on the clock. I think at that point, you either have to call a timeout after the free throw is made, or you got to try to go the length of the court. I, I think yeah. they would have been better off having R.J. Davis or Caleb Love just get downhill and probably getting some home cooking. And maybe a, if they just – flailed their body at the basket might have got a foul call or maybe even they get all the way to the rim and hit a tough shot but um they kind of put themselves in a tough situation and then it was glorious not only did nike block the shot not only did the clock expire not only did caleb love just put himself in a terrible position to score all the unc fans found a way to bitch about that last play yeah, I mean, what do you expect? You're going to do it, right? Especially if you're in the arena. It, it happens bang, bang. You're like, oh, that's a foul. But I, I was still surprised by the amount of people on Twitter afterwards still saying, oh, the refs blew it for us. Did either I mean, of you pause and not celebrate right away because you were like looking yes. in the court of the screen yes. to see if a referee was storming in to just put his hand up and blow the whistle like a couple seconds late? I, it's like you read my mind. I, I sat on the couch for like a full three count waiting for a whistle and 
it wasn't until the whole pit squad had rushed to the court and NC North Carolina had kind of turned to head to the locker room where I allowed myself to rise from the couch and begin screaming like an imbecile. I was like, we won? We won? Okay, we won. Yeah, the immediate shot, they went to Nike, and he was like screaming, but you, I couldn't tell if the screaming, and I was in a place with no audio on the game, so I couldn't tell if the screaming was like, I can't believe they called a foul on that, or we just won the game. And then you could see the players start to filter in. Um, just an absolutely electric win, an electric performance by all the contributors. I mean, even even you get guys like Diaz Graham, the Diaz Graham twins coming off the bench, giving you good minutes. You have Nate Santos giving you minutes. Those guys don't even score, but the the minutes that they eat up at this point, this late in the season, are so important because we're talking a few weeks ago about Pitt's really only been playing six guys seventh guy might be getting eight nine minutes so those guys being able to eat up minutes is huge Mm -hmm. would like to get some more production i think especially from nate santos but i think his his contributions kind of are what they are at this point but if Pitt can go through stretches where they can burn some minutes with with nate santos and and gilly diaz graham called him gilly guillermo willie 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 diaz graham yeah willie graham if you can get some minutes with those guys out there, give give the starters a rest. Probably going to ride our main five or six guys for the entire second half. But um, just all around team effort. It's just the way this pit team has been playing, and and it's it's huge to to have seen them. You know, the guys that are a little bit deeper on our bench. You know, hold steady in a game where it felt like everybody was in foul trouble because that's going to happen. It's going to happen against good teams the way it did last night. So forever for them to be able to hold the line, that is huge going forward. The last three games have been huge. I don't know which game we can say was the biggest one of the year because Wake Forest game, we were like, if we lose this, we're falling out of the tournament picture. Next game, Miami ranked winning at home. This could be our biggest opportunity to make a jump. We won that. UNC, okay, well, we're still in the bubble. Got to win this one, too. They all feel like must-wins, even though they probably aren't if you drop one. But we won all three. No missed opportunities. When was the last time that's happened? I think the Miami one. The Miami one, for me, felt like the biggest win because we had been sitting on those uh, pit script back T-shirts for uh, a month. And every time that we had them ready when Pitt was playing a big game, they would blow it. So the fact that we finally didn't mush Pitt in a big game, that felt pretty big. And they were down 11. Yeah, during the Clemson game, full disclosure, I had a draft up on my phone, and then I deleted it. And then we hit a shot to make it like a one-point game with not that much time left. I'm like, oh, shoot. If we get a stop and score, I got to have this ready to go. So I tried real quick, and it, it didn't happen, but... We've yeah. been waiting for a while. Pitt being good has been really kind to us content-wise. So, you know, for no other reason, thank you, Pitt Basketball. Yeah, you, you can see the fan base is back into it. People are fired up. Um, I think... Buy a back t-shirt. Yeah, buy one of them. I, I think at this point, Pitt is solidified themselves as one of the best teams in the ACC. You can listen to all the outside noise about how the ACC is down, whatever it may be. Lenardi dropped a new bracketology this afternoon. 
or this evening, we're recording this on Thursday, February 2nd. And there's seven ACC teams in the tournament. That's Big 10 has eight, Big 12 has seven, ACC has seven. So all the talk about the ACC is down. We're still going to get a lot of teams in the tournament, still probably going to go further than most other conferences. It always ha- happens that way. But, um, but Squid, do you, do you have any numbers on net for us? NET net rankings because I, I've I've been hearing a lot of a lot of riffraff about that lately and something tells me that it's not the most logical ranking system. Yeah, Dylan. So believe it or not, we are up two spots. For the longest wow. time, we were wow, stuck in really the. Good. We were stuck in the sixties. I think we were at sixty-two and didn't move up after beating Miami. We might have moved up one spot. But I think we were all expecting like a big jump into like the 40s, maybe. But no, we're at uh, we're at 59, one spot behind the 12 and 10 Oklahoma. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Oh, I liked how Purdue dropped one spot after winning by 20 last night. We moved up one spot. I guess we've moved up two since yesterday, and Miami jumped eight spots. Because why? Why wouldn't they? Yeah, it looks like NC State also dropped the spot after boat racing Florida State by, I think, ended up 28, but they were up in the 30s at one point. So who knows what it means? I've looked at the formula. I understand what things go in it, but when you look at the results, it doesn't make sense. It's like they, they weigh it more on the end of your the result of your game relative to who you played than what you actually accomplished. So it almost feels like playing a close game against a quality opponent is, but losing is better than outright winning a game. I think the offensive and defensive efficiencies are very heavily weighted because you can win a game, but maybe both teams played bad. So both teams are going to go down, even the team that won. Maybe both teams play very good, and both teams jump up instead of just the winner. I think it's personally pretty dumb. Like I'm all for not just looking at the win-loss column and being that black and white. Who you beat matters. Where you beat them matters. Win margin matters. But when you combine all of these, it just isn't making much sense. Throw the computers Pitt out the is window. not the 59th best team in the country. I, I, I can promise you that. <laughs> I, I think any team, I don't care what people want to say about the ACC. It hasn't complete. It's not just the Northeast Conference overnight. Like, if you are in the thick of things to win the ACC, that should mean something. To outright win this conference, any of the main conferences, that should mean something. So when I see teams who are 2-7 and seven in conference ranked ahead of us, it's, it's just... Pretty funny, but I, I've done enough on the computer rankings. Oh, I'm not done. Uh, it's It's been really confusing as someone who kind of took some time away from college basketball while Pitt was bad to return and like, this is the ranking system. It's been very confusing. I have a Colin Cowherd analogy for this. Uh, if you guys will Does indulge me. Like a divorced wife or yes. like a big okay. brand. Perfect. We're, we're already on the same page. Uh, so, you know, imagine you get married pretty young, um, you know, or early twenties and, and, you know, after, after 10 years of marriage, you know, 
uh, you, you aren't loving it and, and you want a divorce. So you get divorced and you're all excited, you know, to, to get back on the streets and, and to be single again and do that whole thing. But then you're out here and you're meeting women and they're, they're asking you for, you know, your time of birth and, and, you know, they're, they're judging the success of your dates by Mercury being in Gatorade and they're doing drugs you've never heard of and they're getting flown out places and they require, you know, basic attentiveness and, and good treatment now. And you're just really confused because this isn't how it was 10 years ago. What happened to that? It, you, it used to be, you know, you just go get coffee and bam, you know, that's, that's how I feel about um, having, having never been married or divorced or re-entered the dating pool in my mid thirties. That is how I feel about uh, discovering net rankings this week. I don't think Hold we can on. top that. Hold on. I, I think I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, Pitt's re-entering the dating scene with Marsh Madness. We're off the bubble as of today. Could we're we... looking to put a ring on it. Wow. Yeah. So, Pitt basketball, huge win last night. Just absolutely electric atmosphere in Chapel Hill. Sorry we had to send you all home losers. Sorry for all our fans up in Cranberry who have been lifelong North Carolina mm -hmm. Tar Heels themselves. I know it was probably a tough Thursday for you at work. Because but... Cranberry is UNC and Mount Lebanon is Duke. Correct. So, sorry you had a tough Thursday, but all joking aside, absolutely huge for the Panthers. One of the signature wins for Jeff Capel. They needed to go win one on the road. Um, so next week, I mean, we, we've got Louisville and Florida State. Last time we said this, we said we had to beat them both, and we should beat them both, and that's not how it played out. But I'm going to enjoy this one for now. Um, fellas, any closing thoughts? I'm going to enjoy the Saturday off. The last three games took a toll on me. Yeah, I'm going to go do, like, housework and maybe go out to lunch. Well deserved. We we've earned this. We've we earned a, a weekend off. So so no we'll be at back. eleven a.m. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, we have a great interview with a pit legend. Can I can I drop his name? Are we keeping it a secret? Oh no, no no drop it drop it drop it. Pit legend Chevy Troutman. That's right. Mm -hmm. That Chevy Troutman, Big East champion, all Big East. One of the players that this pit basketball program was built on. Chevy Troutman joined us. Awesome interview. You're gonna want to turn into that. Tune into that. Uh, we're also going to talk. The football schedule was released. Um, we've got a lot of thoughts about that, so we couldn't fit well, it in no. today. But we will talk football schedule release. We'll talk Chevy Troutman, and we'll be back on Monday. So thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this special episode. Hope you enjoyed the win last night. And as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.